Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Wouldn't It Be Wonderful If? Praise the Lord. The title of my message this morning is, Wouldn't It Be Wonderful If? Wouldn't It Be Wonderful If? You know, the last time I preached this message was March of 2018, and even though it's a relatively short message, it's one that has lifted my spirits on many occasions in the years that have passed since then. So the message comes from my meditations on Genesis 18.14, and Jeremiah 32:17 which we will cover today which have to do with the impossible becoming possible when God supernaturally intervenes on our behalf. And what we're going to learn to do as I give you biblical examples of the impossible becoming possible. Amen, we're going to reframe those impossible scenarios, those impossible dreams in the form of a question which I've already alluded to, wouldn't it be wonderful if you fill in the blank? And before we're done this morning, I believe you'll be applying that question to impossible scenarios and impossible dreams in your own lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, amen, wouldn't it be wonderful if creative miracles began to break out here at Faith Life Fellowship, body parts restored, amen, and it just increased as week and after week went by, as month after month went by, amen, I've seen creative miracles, I want to see more, I want to see more. I am not satisfied. I want more. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God poured out more? That's an example of what I'm trying to get across to you this morning. So the first thing I want to talk to you about, the first people I want you to talk about, rather, is Abraham and Sarah. Everybody's familiar with this, amen, so it's a good one to start with. You know, God promised Abraham when he was 75 and his wife was 65 that he would be the father of many nations. How many know that's pretty impossible, right? For a 75-year-old and a 65-year-old to have a baby, that's impossible. Amen? But God said, I'm going to do it. And although Abraham made mistakes along the way, he didn't do everything right. You know, he did some major wrong turns, (laughs) major bad decisions. God came through anyway for him at a time when it seemed more impossible than when he first received the promise. What do I mean by that? At a time when they were both about to throw in the towel and give up on their dream, 25 years had passed and nothing had happened. God was faithful to his word, and Abraham and Sarah had a baby when he was 100 and she was 90. It's like we went from impossible to beyond impossible to ridiculously impossible. A 100-year-old and a 90-year-old having a baby? Do you realize all the things that have to happen for that to be a reality? (laughs) Amen. So let's read Genesis 17, verses 15 through 19. New King James Version. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. You ever done that? Fell on your face and laughed? And said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Ha! Whoever heard of such a thing? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Remember, Ishmael was one of his big mistakes. Then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Amen. Let's go, because I want you to see that everybody always talks about how Sarah laughed in the tent when he was being visited by the Lord and the two angels. But I want you to see that Abraham was the first one to fall on his face laughing. Sarah was the second one that laughed at the prospect. So Genesis 18, verse 10 through 14, you find that out in this passage, also New King James. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, this is God speaking to Abraham. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. No kidding. She was past that when she first heard it when she was 65. Verse 12, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? You know, we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're not going to get too graphic, but we're going to talk about it. Verse 13 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? And this first mention here is the theme of this message. In verse 14, God says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for for the Lord. That word there that's translated hard is the Hebrew word palah. It means hard, difficult, marvelous, wonderful. So you could read it like this Is anything too hard, too difficult, too marvelous, or too wonderful for the Lord? That's where I get the phrase Wouldn't it be wonderful if? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Listen to me. Over there in Hebrews chapter 11, you got the hall of fame of faith, right? You find Sarah in there, and what it says about Sarah is Sarah received strength to conceive by faith. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. That word strength there is the Greek word dunamis, and it means explosive power. Amen. So God released explosive power into Sarah's body to get her hormones going again, to restart her menstrual cycle, to re-energize her sex drive, and evidently she had to do it with Abraham too for this thing to happen. Amen. And it was done with the power of God. That should tell you something about what God thinks about sex. It's wonderful between married couples and the power of God is there with you in that aspect of your life. 
So when both Abraham and Sarah were asking the question, are we really going to have a baby at our age? And laughing at the thought of it, they should have been asking the question, wouldn't it be wonderful if God could help us have a baby at our age? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could get our hormones flowing again so that we would be physically attracted to one another again? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a baby together? To which God was ready to reply, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? Amen. We should get in the habit of saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if, and then dreaming big on the other side of that equation. To which God will reply, Is there anything too hard, too difficult, too marvelous, too wonderful for me? Let's talk about Jeremiah. Now, this one is kind of lengthy because we're going to read a bit of Scripture. Just remember, this is one of those times where it's story time with Dr. Scott. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. Jeremiah had the unenviable task of being the prophet who foretold the siege and destruction of the city of Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire in 586 B.C. Wouldn't you like to be that guy? After centuries of warnings by the prophets that they needed to turn away from the worship of false gods, God told Jeremiah that judgment was coming in his lifetime, and it wouldn't be pretty. And when he prophesied what the Lord told him to prophesy, it wasn't exactly popular. In fact, the events recorded in the passage I'm about to read happened when Jeremiah was in prison because King Zedekiah didn't like the things that he prophesied against him and against the nation of Judah. So he's in prison. But even as the siege mounts were being built up against the walls of Jerusalem and they were surrounded by the Babylonian army, God prophesied to Jeremiah that his cousin would ask him to buy a plot of land that was his to buy through inheritance. What? What a strange thing to be talking about when the city is about to be decimated. Talking about buying a plot of land that's in your inheritance. So when his cousin came to him afterwards and asked him to buy the land exactly the way the Lord had told him it would happen, he knew that the Lord was in it. And that it was prophetically significant. He just didn't know exactly how it was significant. So read with me here Jeremiah 32, verse 13 through 27, and then we'll read verse 42 through 44, New King James. I love this story. The more I've read it, the more I've dug into it. It's just fascinating the way God operates. Verse 13 says, Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, This is actually Jeremiah prophesying. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and this deed which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. That was a hopeful sign to the Israelites. If we're buying land and they're stored in earthen vessels for the weeks and the months and the years to pass, so the deeds will still be there when we get back to the land, that must mean we're going to get back to the land. 
and we're going to occupy the land that we bought, we purchased, that we have the deed for. Let me read that verse 15 again because it's so awesome. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he says this when siege mounts are being lifted over the walls of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in the land. Amen. Even though it looks bleak right now, there is a bright future ahead of you, O Israel. So Jeremiah spoke the word of the Lord, but evidently had an incomplete understanding of that word. Thus, when he concluded his business with Baruch, the register of deeds in Jerusalem, he sought the Lord for some answers. Amen. Listen to this fascinating. Verse 16. Now, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard, same word, pala, too difficult, too marvelous, too wonderful for you. So he starts out by saying, I don't know what's going on, but I know there's nothing too hard, too difficult, too marvelous, or wonderful for you to perform. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among other men, and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Look, the siege mounds. They have come to the city to take it, and the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans who fight against it because of the sword and famine and pestilence. What you have spoken has happened. There you see it. And now he says, I've praised you. I've given you honor. Now I'm going to ask you, what is going on here? Verse 25, and you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. It makes no sense. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard? Same word, pala. Is there anything too difficult, too marvelous or wonderful for me? And you skip on down to verse 42. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them all the good that I have promised them. And fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is desolate without man or beast. It has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. 
Men will buy fields for money, sign deeds and seal them, and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, and in the cities of the south, for I will cause their captives to return, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah was asking the Lord, why am I buying this property if the land is about to be wasted and destroyed and given to the Chaldeans? What's the point? But God, through this symbolic purchase, was inviting him on a journey of imagination to ask the question, wouldn't it be wonderful if God would restore the nation of Judah and bring the people back into this land so that property would be bought and sold again, perhaps even that my descendants might inherit the property that I have purchased. It dawned on him what God was up to. Wouldn't it be wonderful if vineyards were planted, houses were built, daughters were given in marriage, children were born, and the land and the people of Judah were fruitful once again, to which God was ready to reply, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too difficult, too marvelous, too wonderful for me? Amen. Amen. So I guess what I'm trying to get you to do this morning is dream big. Take the limitations off God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if such financial prosperity was poured out in this place that people would come from all over to find out what the heck is going on. Are you misappropriating funds? How's money coming out and increasing like this? How's that happening? Wouldn't it be wonderful if something like that happened? Malachi 3.10 gets manifested. God opens up the doors, the windows of heaven, and money and finances and prosperity and provision are poured out so much so you have to give it away so fast to just have storage space for the rest of it. That's what I'm trying to get you to do this morning. So there's two scenarios I want you to imagine bringing it back to a personal level. And we've been talking about Abraham and Sarah Bible story, famous Bible story, and then the destruction of Jerusalem. I want to bring it down home where you live right now. You have a promise. Just like Abraham, God gave you a promise many years ago, and it has not come to pass as of this date. Everybody in here probably has something like that they're clinging to to this day. It seems like too much time has passed for God to fulfill the word that he gave you so long ago. But wouldn't it be wonderful if the time that has passed was irrelevant? That just when you think your dream will never come to pass, suddenly God brings it into manifestation in a way that you never dreamed possible, in a way that is almost too wonderful to imagine. To which God is ready to reply, is there anything too hard? Is there anything too difficult? Is there anything too marvelous? Is there anything too wonderful for me? Amen. Perhaps you have a dream that you feel like it slipped through your fingers. And now God is breathing new life on that dream. All of a sudden things are starting to happen. And God is saying, get up, get moving. The time of the fulfillment is at hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. How about this one? 
again, we all can identify with this one. You messed up. You messed up. Just like Judah, you were living for God at one time, pursuing his plan for your life. His favor was operating powerfully in your life. Then you departed from the ways of God. You went your own way, and things got all messed up. And it seems like your wrong turns and the mistakes you've made will prevent God from bringing to pass the dreams and the desires that you know he placed in your heart. Wouldn't it be wonderful if none of the past mattered? If your future was bright because God, he had a plan that even leveraged your mistakes to humble you and cause you to be completely dependent upon him in all your endeavors. Wouldn't it be wonderful now that you're completely dependent upon him if God poured out his supernatural favor in your life like never before so that your dreams come to pass in a way that's almost too wonderful to imagine? I'm going to wrap things up here. I told you it was a short message, even though we read a lot of Bible. I want to leave you with a saying that I came up with years ago. It's a combination of Jeremiah 32, 17 and an old worship chorus that we used to sing in the 80s. And it often comes out of me when I've been praying in the spirit and almost always when I'm facing impossible odds or a difficult situation. You can use mine if you like or come up with your own, but I highly recommend that you have a go-to declaration that you can use when you need to encourage yourself in the faith. Here's mine. O Lord God, creator of all things, the vast expanse of the universe, the seemingly infinite reaches of space and the ages of time, is there anything too difficult? Is there anything too hard? Is there anything too marvelous? Is there anything too wonderful for you? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too marvelous for you. Nothing is too wonderful for you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Wouldn't It Be Wonderful If... If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 1030 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.